This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. The Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Darwin sees red on his Reds Anfield debut. Questions for Klopp and the ongoing transfer conundrum. Plus, we'll assess how bad the damage is to the title race after two full starts in the opening weekends of the Premier League campaign. To get into all of that, we have our Liverpool correspondent. Even in an injury crisis, he's pulled He's called Paul Gorst, also drafted in to help in our time of need. Versatile super sub himself, Sean Bradbury, and the face that runs the place, Joe Rimmer. Gents, I trust you're all well. Gorsty, you were at Anfield, and as said at the top there, another false start, another two drop points. How bad do you think the damage could be? Long term, I think it actually could be quite significant, to be honest. Um, I mean... Last season, Liverpool drew four times at Anfield against Tottenham, Chelsea, City, and the one which stands out like a sore thumb was Brighton when they led 2 0. I mean, it's easy to say now in hindsight, but if Liverpool would have held on to that win, they'd be Premier League champions, and they can't afford to be giving Manchester City any kind of leeway uh, at any stage of the season. Fortunately, we are only two games in, so it'd be a little bit bordering on the ridiculous to say that the title hopes have gone, but we know that there's nothing between these two teams and Liverpool simply can't afford to be allowing City to build up a bit of a head of steam. So uh, the worst start to a Premier League season on the clock, successive draws, and I think most people would have earmarked these two for, for wins, wouldn't they, you know, a few weeks ago. So, yeah, it's, it's a massive blow. And you can maybe understand the performance of Fulham, new brand new team promoted, absolutely flying with confidence given what they did last season. Crowd right behind them, catching Liverpool cold a little bit, but no real excuse for yesterday. We know that Nunes got sent off. I'm going to talk about that in a bit more detail, but just didn't really create any massive opportunities. And it was just so unlike Liverpool. And I mean, we will see in eight to nine months' time, but I think that was a pretty damaging result last night. That's the thing, Sean, isn't it? Is is now that there really is no margin for error at Anfield. No, that's certainly true. Albeit, I think until such time as Liverpool have played City at least once, you know, perhaps even twice, I, I don't think you can be writing them off unless some some massive gap does open up. But you know, they're they're the, they're the games that if if Liverpool have still got the possibility of playing City and beating them and overtaking them, I don't think you can really be too negative until that point. And the good thing now, I think, is there is a chance to respond fairly quickly and put things right given we've got this strange season where, you know, there's, there's quite a few games in August before that first international break kicks in and there's, there's more in September. I mean, you know, I think after this weekend's events, um, in terms of what happened for Man United, everyone was licking their lips for next week, uh, you know, that game at Old Trafford. And the complexion of that has changed a little bit. But the, just looking at that game specifically, the pressure is much, much more on Ten Hag and United than it is on Liverpool, despite what we've said about two frustrating results to start the season for Klopp and his men, but United away, Bournemouth at home, and then Newcastle at home. I think if Liverpool are going to be involved right at the top end of the table this season, we'll we'll see a response quite quickly. And I think to, to try and see the positives, if you if you look back at the last couple of seasons, when Liverpool have encountered adversity, albeit two seasons ago, it took a little while. They they did find a way to respond, didn't they? They, they dug in, they got 
that situation eventually where the, the midfielders who were stepping into defence, you know, kept their places in the, the usual spot of midfield and Phillips and Williams got them pulled over the line and shot off the table, made it into the Champions League. And last season, there was that mid-campaign reset, which Klopp and the players have spoken about and how vital it was when, you know, there were some games that were getting away from Liverpool, they were conceding leads early on and then they just focused on the defence and got things sorted. I, I think it's time for one of them already. And I know you could say, well, it's panic stations, it's two bad results, you know, that they, they really need to start turning things around. But they've got a full week to do it now until United comes around. And I'm, I'm backing Klopp and Liverpool to find solutions despite the injury crisis that is unfolded and despite what's happened with Nunes. Yeah, it, it's it's very, very early days for me. And draws are always frustrating. And when you get two in succession to start a, a campaign, you know, it's it's pretty bad. But there's a hell of a long way to go. And I think that's how you've got to see it. But I suppose taking that into consideration, Joe, it is... There is a hangover, albeit Liverpool won two trophies last season. From the end of last year, this statistic that's doing the rounds of now, what, six Premier League games they've conceded the first goal in, eight of the last ten games. One of those was a goalless draw in the, the FA Cup final with Chelsea. Where Where's the security gone for Liverpool that for so long they seem to have shown? Yeah, a couple of things first. You know all about hangovers, don't you, Guy, after this weekend? Yeah. Um, you should probably finish the pod by telling us all about your ankle. And, um, yeah. and just, we'll we'll get to that in the injury list. Yeah, we can add yeah, to that. Yeah. yeah. And, and is, is Sean, um, have you got the, the jet on autopilot while you give us your, your take on the red, Sean? Just just parked outside, yeah. 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 Let's get, get a few admirers in the street. Yeah. Love that headset. Um Back to back to the question. Sorry, a bit distracted. Back to the question. Um, yeah, I think I I think you know I think that Klopp's spoken as he at length about how the um, the the parade um, at the end of last season picked them up a lot. And I, and I, whilst I think it did, I also think there's a bit of psychological hangover from last season. A little bit. If it's seen that they sort of came towards the end of the season, they looked tired. They felt tired. They were just about getting over the line in some games and then obviously didn't get over the line um, in the Champions League final. And, and it was a tired performance. And I, and I think the charity shield aside, which you know, gave me great hope that they were going to be very, very good and hit the ground running. Um, the first couple of games, I think they looked tired, disjointed. And I think, personally, you know, I just think the injuries are to blame for that. I think recruitment is to blame for that. I think pretty frustrated with what is fast becoming a very stubborn club and sometimes manager you know it, it's a strength for him isn't it obviously and you know you don't you're never going to sit here and criticize Jürgen Klopp too much but I do find you know even before the game yesterday I don't know whether you saw the, the interview on Sky before the game but he slightly odds that he took took issue with the Sky reporter asking him why Darwin Nunes was going to start the game and he, he, he picked up on that and sort of had a little pop and he he just looks frustrated, tired, and slightly stubborn. And and, and I think, you know, I, I, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to it. I think Liverpool should be doing some work at trying to strengthen um, in midfield to try and ease the pressure on the players that are in there. Um, curious that Naby Keita didn't come off the bench last night. But yeah, I just think it's very, it's a tired team. It's a team that's carried a lot of injuries, lack of confidence, and these things. These little, you know. They've conceded the first goal in, in eight of the last ten, is it, or something like that? You know, I think that it's not coincidence. I think these things sort of snowball, and and I think the more that it happens, the more that it will happen until they sort of manage to have what was it Sean was saying before they had that mid-season sort of reset last year, and until they have one of those resets, I don't think um, 
it'll stop happening. So it's it's a concern, really. I mean, I, I wouldn't say here and say, oh, well, you know, I don't think Liverpool will be challenged for the league. I think it's very, very close. And, you know, obviously the, the standards that the two sides have set, you know, you, you drop points in any game, it feels like a defeat. And certainly two games on the bounce, you feel like it's a million miles. But let's not forget that City were, what, 15 points clear at one point last season and, and Liverpool pulled that back. So City aren't infallible. They will they will drop points and Liverpool will go on runs. But I just think that something doesn't feel quite right. I, I wish they would address it. And I, I think that the transfer market is the way to address that. But um, they don't seem to agree. No. Paul, let's get into the major incident then against Crystal Palace. Darwin Nunes, it was his his home Premier League debut. It was, it was going to be the game where everyone got a chance to see him from the off and see what he could do. But in the end, he, he lasted, what, just just a, around an hour after he decided to, to lay the butt on Joachim Anderson. Yeah, it's a, it's a worrying one, really, because, I mean, you wouldn't have Joachim Anderson down as one of the great wind-up merchants of the Premier League. So, you know, if he's reacting like that from what was pretty standard kind of fair, really, wasn't it? It wasn't anything else. You know, he didn't, didn't throw any dangerous ones in on Nunes, nothing kind of over the top. It was just standard stuff. And for Nunes to react like that, it's something he. It's a lesson he's going to have to learn. Uh, we spoke to Virgil Van Dijk in the mix zone after it, and and he he basically said, um, he's he's going to have to learn from it. And Jurgen Klopp said he's going to have a word with him. So hopefully, when he comes back in September, he will have learned his lesson and know that he can't do that. He can't lash out in that way, especially when VAR, you know, the VAR era. Um, I'm I'm slightly worried now because it, it was already a bit of a difficult adaptation period for him coming in and. Replacing Sadio Mane effectively, Liverpool adjusting to a little bit of a new style of play with a big number nine up front. It was always going to take time, and now it's it's been pushed back by what three four weeks. So um, that's a little bit of a of a concern already. And uh, just follow, following on from the point Joe makes about Klopp basically suggesting that you know a little bit of a terse reaction to, to suggestions about playing Nunes. I mean, he he said last night something along the lines of it feels like we've. There was a witch in the building the training last week because of all the injuries that they've had, and basically suggesting it's a bit of a curse. But that that'll cut no ice with people who've been demanding that Liverpool do something a bit more active because um, this injury crisis is not unprecedented, is it? And it's something that you know, the, look, the players who who have pulled up injured, Matip, um, Thiago. As Joe says, well, Keita not getting off the bench. I'm not convinced that he was 100% yesterday either. Oxley Chamberlain, they're not players who, um, you know, who've previously shown that they can play 50 games a season. So uh, it's it's nothing new for Klopp. And I think maybe being a little bit stubborn and, and suggesting that there's a curse and whatever else is a little bit um, disingenuous, maybe. Um, we can't criticize Klopp too much, but certainly I think that he, um, you know, those comments are, are a bit. I, I mean. No, I don't think he can pull the wall over too many people's eyes, if I'm honest. No, Sean, in, in terms of, of Darwin, then how much of a setback do you think it's going to be for him to, to get into this Liverpool side and kind of really hit the ground running now from this point? First player since Joe Cole to get sent off on his, his first Premier League game at Anfield for the Reds. And I mean, a lot of people were saying it was a bit innocuous. He turned around and maybe Anderson was closer to him. But when you see that there was a running battle before that where he tried to get him, it's not really much of a defence, is there? No, absolutely not. And you're right to refer to the incidents that happened before. There is a little compilation doing arounds on Twitter that shows that it was exactly that, a, a running spat through the game. It reminded me almost of like 
five aside when you get a wily veteran campaigner who just uses a bit of old man strength and dirty tactics to unsettle like a young buck. But at the same time, like Gorsi said, that's not unusual. Like that, that's Premier League defending, isn't it? There's a lot of robust defending and people who push things to the boundaries and test referees and you know see see what they can get away with in games. And and that's the concern now. It is a bit of a signal that that's what you can do to Darwin Nunes until he learns and you know he he adapts to the league himself kind of mentally as well as physically. But I think you know you, you've got to look at the impact he's had so far in games and what he did against City, what he did for the bench against Fulham was very impressive. Even against Palace, you know, he didn't put the ball in the back of the net, but he had two very good opportunities to score. I think there's question marks about how well he fitted into overall play on the night, but there's no question that if you get the ball in his vicinity, he's, he's going to be dangerous for Liverpool. It is just now problematic that he, it almost feels like when he comes back from this ban, which, you know, presumably will be three games, won't be any more than that, hopefully. He's starting again from scratch, isn't he? It's like this little bedding in period where there's a good run of games and, you know, winnable games coming up, I would say, you know, at least two of the next three, if not all of them. If he got a couple of goals in that time and really start to settle and form a proper partnership with Salah and Diaz up front, you know, it would have been really useful. And there were a few other things, to be honest, that concerned me a little bit about him. There was that, there was a moment where there was a handball appeal, wasn't there, where he was in the box and he just didn't play to the whistle. And, you know, the ball was still bouncing around in the area and he was just concerned with looking at the ref. And as well, when he had to be escorted off the pitch by Milner several times and you had Klopp on the touchline screaming at him to get off. They're just little things that I do think the senior pros of the club and the manager just need to get in his ear quite quickly. And we've already seen, you know, Milner was obviously doing the Sky interviews after the game. He was asked about it. He was like, you know, yeah, we'll 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 look after him. We'll we'll do what needs to be done as a squad. Ghosty speaking to Van Dyke after the game and that, that quotes we've got there have just gone up. He's saying similar, you know, he needs to needs to learn from this and put it behind him, accepting that it will be a learning curve for him. And obviously the manager said he'll speak to him. So I think all of that needs to happen, you know, very, pretty quickly. Um and whether it's good or bad that he's got a, a few weeks to stew about it, I'm I'm not sure. It's not it's not immediately good in terms of embedded in, but I wouldn't say there's long term worries about him. I think we've we've seen already how dangerous he can be, but he does need to keep those emotions in check. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, his first red card of the season, obviously for him, so pretty sure violent conduct, three game banned for him unless Liverpool appeal and it's deemed frivolous and no point of appealing then could take it to four. So he's likely to miss Man United, Bournemouth at home, Newcastle at home. Joe, he would be set to return for the Merseyside derby. I mean, talk about having to learn quickly. He'll definitely have to for for an atmosphere like that, no? Yeah, and no, I'd play him. You know, I don't I don't have any issues. I, I kind of think he's certainly not going to come back and, and headbutt someone immediately again, as he, you know, <laughs> he'd have to be completely crazy he's to do that. He's going to be a target though, isn't he? He, he will, but I, but, I, but I think that might almost play into Liverpool's hands a bit if they're so concentrated on trying to wind up Darwin Nunes. Well, there's, there's a certain, there's certain other players in the Liverpool team that, that, that could benefit from that. So I, I don't, you know, I think it's been a, it's been a weird weekend for, for incidents being blown out of proportion. And, um, and this is just, Another example. Look, it was a it was a, a moment of madness. He got sent off. He got a three game ban. The manager will have a word with him. He'll know he's stupid and wrong, and, and we get on with it. You know, I, I don't think. Look, I mean, I don't think having a bit of a hot head streak is the worst thing in the world. You know, Suarez, Rooney, Cantona, you name it. There's been a few of them, and um, you know, the boy certainly shows passion, doesn't he? So I, I just think he's been a bit jittery. I think he's desperate to impress, and and, and that's channeled its channels its way into some. 
well, into something that shouldn't have happened. But like Sean says, you know, I noticed the whole thing where he didn't seem, seem to play to the whistle with the handball. But I think, again, that sort of stemmed from him not taking a chance he should have taken and, and sort of was desperate to get something out of it. And, you know, and I think once he settles down a bit, he'll, he'll start taking chances better. Because, again, still find him an odd player to watch. He seems so scruffy. I mean, you know, some of the touches he takes, you know, the volley that he sent over end doors, you know, even the, the chance that hit the post, I'm not convinced I think he, he even really he controlled it. Didn't he? I think it came straight off. All right, Frankie. Why has he always got to have a word? What I'm, I'm trying to say here. <laughs> always buttoning. Yeah, no, um, you know, even even that chance, he didn't really... I don't even know if he took the shot. It seemed he like seemed he to run into it. the ball, didn't he? Rather yeah. than shoot, he seemed to but run the, into the, it. The defender, I thought, might have just like tackled that onto the post. So even that in itself... And I just think... Right now, he looks like someone who's really desperate to impress. In the same way that, that Harlan looked in the in the Community Shield and, and didn't quite play the way he should have done. I think it's up to Liverpool to just get him settled down and playing his, his national game and, and he'd be okay. Um, but as for the red card, I, I, you know, I don't think, you know, obviously we're in the business of making a lot of talking points. It's, that's our job. But... You know, at the same time, there's another part of me that thinks, let's be sensible. I don't think that Darwin Nunes is going to get sent off 10 times a season because every Premier League defender is going to get to him in that way. I think it was one incident. He'll feel stupid. He'll apologise to his teammates and everyone will move on and they'll put it behind him. Yeah, now let's, before we talk about transfers, let's get on to a bit of class in the game, Gorsley, that has completely been overlooked was Luis Diaz. I mean, until Nunez was, was sent off, he, he was a bit of a passenger for Liverpool. We didn't really get involved all too much. And then down Liverpool go down to, to 10 men and all of a sudden he was playing like two men. Yeah, the interesting thing was if Nunez was on the pitch, he probably looked across that ball, wouldn't he, instead of dribbling past three men and sticking it into the bottom corner. Um, Klopp got asked about Diaz on Friday in, in the in the breakout and, and all the all the questions in kind of our section were all about Diaz and he was opening up on things to try and to basically trying to improve his numbers really because I think I think we mentioned it on last week's pod didn't we? me and Joe it's now's the time where you're turning those those ones that he's at the post or the keeper's made the good save or oh that, that was close it just went wide <clears throat> turning those into goals and that was a a stunning way to, to start that, wasn't it? Um, it'll probably be one of the goals goals of the season at Anfield. Um, it just has to build on it, I guess. He was um, he was he was on the periphery of the game before Nunes got sent off, and then he, he almost seemed to take a little bit of um, responsibility following the sending off and started taking the ball by the arms. He was a lot more aggressive at team, chasing things down and making the ball stick, winning a few free kicks. And the goal was, was superb. So, um, yeah, more of the same, I guess. Um, still not quite got that um, understanding with Andy Robertson that, that Sadio Mane did, but that was obviously built up over years and Diaz has only been here since January, so that'll take time. But, um, yeah, I suppose while he is kind of still getting up to speed in the same way Nunes definitely is, it doesn't hurt when he's lashing in goals like that. So, um yeah, what an old Saffron next week would, would certainly be another massive step in the right direction. Yeah, certainly. Would one player, Sean, who's maybe not quite up to speed that, that people have been talking about, and he was he was kind of beaten in the build-up to, to Liverpool's goals, Fabinho? Yeah, you know what? I, I thought in the Fulham game, he looked particularly leggy, and obviously there were problems across the midfield in that game, and you'd say that was 
the main area in which Liverpool lost, well, they lose it, but you know, lost momentum and, and the reason why it was a draw. I actually thought he started pretty well and, and looked quite sharp and was was you know kind of getting into them and doing what you expect from Fabinho and was one of the reasons Liverpool were pushing up and keeping high and able to squeeze and threaten early on. But then, yeah, obviously what what happened for the goal was was unfortunate and he, he probably would have been hanging his head after the game and taking some responsibility for that. But I just think that is that will happen occasionally. And it, it was almost just like a sequence of perfect events, wasn't it? Like Palace did everything so well, the, the, the dribble from Eze, and, and, it, and it was such a good finish um, by Zahar. Um, and... and I think that did tap into another problem Liverpool had on the night, which was, and I don't want to, you know, completely point the finger at one player. I don't think you can after a performance like that where, you know, only one goal scored as well. But Nat Phillips just felt like with and without the ball, he, he was a bit of an issue. You know, it was, if Palace had the ball themselves, they were clearly targeting him, trying to get get around him in whatever way they could over the top through balls. And and when he had the ball, it almost seemed like they were happy for him to amble around with it and try and, try and bring it out or pass it and, They'd press others, the likes of Van Dijk and Trent, you know, ones that they felt were a bit more of a threat. So I, I think that was an issue, you know, when, when, like we were talking about before, when him and Williams had that partnership that was successful at Liverpool over that spell of games, I think the team in general made allowances for them, didn't they, and just recognised that this isn't going to be Van Dijk and Gomez or Van Dijk and Matip or whatever. And the way that you build from the back will change as a result. But it was almost like he was thrown into this game and just told, well, go and be... Canate, Matip, Gomez, go and do that job for us. And the difference when Gomez came on in terms of what Liverpool were able to do and, and therefore how weirdly threatening they did look when they were down to 10 was, was an issue. But yeah, problems there. But I just hope that Liverpool thrive on, on certainty of purpose, don't they? And unity of commitment and intent. That's when the teams are the best. And I think you've seen problems across midfield and defence and the forward line in these last few games, or this first couple of games. So... I just hope things can settle a little bit. You know, I think I think Fabinho was all right, albeit culpable for the goal. But Elliot was excellent, and and those two are what you base the midfield on for United, and and, and you go forward from there and try and get into a bit of a rhythm. But confident they can do it. Yeah, now let's get into then the injury crisis and perhaps the need to address it in the transfer market. Sean mentioned there, Joe, that that Nat Phillips was playing effectively fifth, if not sixth choice centre back who. Liverpool, I think if they'd had a decent offer for him for the last three summers, probably would have been happy to have, have moved him on on a permanent basis. James Milner also, albeit played well, 37 years of age, continues to be the man in the midfield that Klopp turns to. And I suppose when you look at the bench, it shows kind of, in a way, the lack of depth, that an injury crisis that many could have probably predicted, would, as, as Gorsi said before, the names who are on it. I mean, look at the bench, what Gomez, Henderson and Cater all kind of either listed as injured or carrying knocks. And then you've got three youngsters in Bicetic, Vandenberg and Bobby Clark all there. The depth that was, was on the Liverpool bench at the end of last season seems to have evaporated. And they've got just over two weeks. Is it something they can, should or will address in the transfer market? It's something they they should. It's something that they can. I, I don't know whether they will. Um, you know, I, I never fully believe that. You know, especially when you look back at the, the centre centre back situation. You know, look what it took for Liverpool to make a move in the transfer market. It, it took a hell of a lot, and even when they did, it was very much like, well, we're still not going to buy someone for the long term. We're still not going to spend a great deal of money on someone. We're getting. We're getting people who will just about get us through. Um, one of them never played for the club, so you know I, 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 I'm never convinced that they will. Although you know some of the noises Klopp made in the last 
week or so suggests that he's not as close to it as perhaps he would have been a few weeks back. But my big issue is this has just been staring Liverpool in the face for the last year, and it's getting worse because players are getting older. They they're playing more games, and you know I just think. You know, it, it's all well and good. I think we hear so much. They've got the bodies. They've got the numbers in midfield. It's all, I just don't buy that as an argument. You know, they could have a hundred midfielders, but if ninety nine of them have have, have a history and, and of injury problems and, and and don't play a great amount of games, then there's there's no point in there's not no point in having them. But you you can't rely on them, can you? And and I just look at it and think this isn't this isn't to dig out James Milner because I still think he, he's a really handy player who should be starting some games for Liverpool but my worry now is that Liverpool are going to be relying on James Milner to start the next two three games until they get others fit and Liverpool if they want to seriously challenge Man City and, and challenge for the big 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 prizes cannot be in a situation where they are putting a guy who's 37 who should be putting out some fires but putting their faith in him for 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 the next you know few games and and I, I have to say I think they've put themselves in that position because they you know I, I get that they want maybe whether it's Bellingham and I get that they want to wait but you know I could say this to you Sean earlier you know even if they get Bellingham next year they'll still need more won't they because because Cater could leave on a free Milner could leave on a free yeah J- Jordan Henderson be another yeah, Oxley Chamber Jordan Henderson will be another year older um you know Thiago will be another year older so I, I still would argue they still need more, even if they get Bellingham. So why, you know, Liverpool are quick to let it be known that they're very clever in the transfer market. They're, they're, they're happy to take that credit. Um, so if they do plan two, three windows ahead, why didn't they plan for this? You know, I, I, it, it, they're not as, I don't think that, you know, I think Liverpool have done some great stuff and, I, and I'm not in any way sort of, you know, being overly critical, but no club gets everything right, and I just think that Liverpool had hoped that certain players wouldn't be injured as much as they had. But I think that the evidence shows that they are. Thiago, great player, doesn't play enough games. You know, Jordan Henderson, great servant, won't play enough games. Navigator could be a good player, doesn't play enough games. You know, it was it was very curious that he was on the bench. Liverpool needed a goal. He was, you know, you look at him as a, a player that would have been creative. And they didn't bring him off. So they didn't bring him off the bench either because they didn't feel like he was fit enough or Klopp didn't fully trust him because he hasn't liked what he's seen in training. And if it's the latter, it's really worrying. If it's the former, then it's just typical of, of his time. And, and I, I think even now, you know, to go out and buy some in the last two weeks of the window would seem slightly knee-jerk. And, and, and I don't know whether it even solves the issue, but I think they should have been looking at this earlier in the summer. And, you know, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, so, yeah, there you go. And I, I suppose, Gorsty, as well, within it, Liverpool have, in a sense, backed themselves into a corner that next summer, the recruitment on the midfield would have to be faultless because, as Joe says, there's going to need to be more than, probably more than two, three midfielders you're probably looking mm. at. All of a sudden, that's overhauling a large part of the team all in one summer where you're needing players to bed in. They, they acted and moved very quickly, obviously, to bring in Darwin Nunez once Sadio Mane had said he was moving on. But we did a podcast with Jamie Carragher ahead of the Champions League final and, and he was saying the one thing he thinks Liverpool need amongst everything else this summer is to go and strengthen that midfield. Fabio Carvalho's come in, but you can't seriously be saying he's the guy who is going to come in this year and, and really light it up in that midfield. 
And I, I felt a bit sorry for Carvalho yesterday because he's getting brought on when Liverpool need, are in dire need of a goal and he's only 19 and making his Premier League debut for Liverpool and, you know, far too much pressure and responsibility is getting put on his shoulders. Even just like, you know, the decision to let Origi and Minamino leave, you know, what clock would, would have given for one of them coming off the bench last night? The, the attacking options just weren't there, were they? I mean, Naby Keita was probably the most attacking option available to Klopp, most senior attacking option. And, and the fact that he didn't get on says to me that he was carrying a little bit of a knock himself, which I'm sure wouldn't shock absolutely anyone if he found out that to be true. Um, Bobby Clark's on the bench, you know, Stefan Bacetic, Chef Vandenberg. Is this where, where Liverpool are already in the season because of an injury crisis that... Um, you know, looking at it now, it seems as though they just kind of kept the fingers crossed and hoped it wouldn't happen. And two games into the season, it already has. My worry is the long term one, obviously, is the midfield question, which never really seems to go away. But I think Liverpool need an attacker now as well because Diogo Jota hasn't played since May, um, since the Champions League final. Um, I suppose the worry with Jota as well, though, is that's a reoccurrence of the hamstring he did yeah. against Midtjylland or whatever. So is that now a question? I mean, you look at great Liverpool forwards of, of yesteryear, the likes of Michael Owen, the likes of Fernando Torres, once those hamstrings begin to become a bit of an issue, they can consistently prove a, prove a cause of concern. Yeah, well, he picked it up on international duty with Portugal, didn't he? And then it, it went again in the first training session in Thailand, I think. Um, so he hasn't had a pre-season, so he's not going to be coming come flying out the blocks when he's eventually back from this hamstring injury anyway. Roberto Firmino, for all his, his ability and, and his importance still to this squad, I thought he was abysmal, frankly, at Fulham. And is now third choice in that list of three. Um, and none of them might even be available for, for Manchester United on, on Monday. So um, as much as the midfield debate lingers, there's also one to be made for an attacking option as well. Um and it, it, you know, it looks like we're being a bit wise after the event, say talking about Minamino and Origi leaving. But you know, just just having one of them last night would, might have made a big difference, mightn't it? But instead, Klopp's having to bring on, you know, Henderson, a nineteen-year-old kid, making his debut when the cop are absolutely baying for a for a winner. Um, so it already looks ominous, really, which um, makes us all sound like doily. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. A transition, you've got to remember that one, yeah. Um, Sean, though, it's kind of the point, though, isn't it? Of the, the, the Minamino Origi thing, of probably more Origi than Minamino, who was great in the cup competitions and didn't do all, all too much, maybe in the league. But was it the strength of the run in last year for Liverpool? Was the way in which Jurgen Klopp could shove Origi on, have Diaz wide on the left, Salah wide on the right, and Origi often as part of a 4 2 4 as a, an extra striker on the pitch, there as a goal getter to sniff one out and, and score. He, he did so in the derby. I remember he came on against Norwich and the game seemed to, to, to seemed to change on, on his arrival at the same time. And it just feels as though the strength of the running was the fact that Liverpool had so many attacking options. Yet this season, it's now nine players you can have on the bench and use five of them. And all of a sudden, again, no offence to him, but young Bobby Clark's there. Mm, yeah, exactly. You know, players who know their role and can come in and strike up some kind of understanding with the forward line straight away is, is vital. I mean, I, I agree with the guys. I think we're the squad is, is definitely a player light, but um, 
slightly torn. I'm probably 75-80% thinking that it needs to be a midfielder, you know, a number eight midfielder with, with a more attacking bias and 25-30% thinking that it that it should be someone for the forward line. I suppose some of it depends on where we see more of Elliot and Carvalho playing. I mean, like Gorsi said, I felt very sorry for the, for the young lad having to come on and be thrust into that forward line and you know, it did feel like he carried the expectations of the attacking options on the bench by virtue of, you know, being a bit older than Bobby Clark and playing a lot of football last season for Fulham. But I, I do think we referred to this before that I take a little bit of hope from what Klopp said this week in a, in a very relaxed interview with Sky where I might be putting two and two together and turn it into a 30 million sign and that, that won't happen here. But he did feel like he let his guard down a little bit and, you know, he was, he was contrasting what was said about Liverpool's midfield earlier in the summer when he said, I've got everyone fit. What type of midfielder are we missing? To now, and he admitted, you know, the situation has changed slightly. And for him, for him to do that, you know, not get defensive, not talk about his options, suggests to me a little bit that, you know, um, my, things might be slightly more open to, to to someone coming in. You know, that might be a little bit of a leap and, and, and maybe nothing will happen. But I think if you look at these two games, genuinely without knee-jerking, you can make a case that there, there is deficiencies in the squad especially given the injuries, which you have to take into account. You know, that that first game, going back to what I said before about Fabinho and, and others, I think that was the midfielder for a long time. We all wanted to see that the one that started against Fulham and, and has started a few times, Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, and none of them looked right. None of them looked at it. And, OK, that might be a heavy pre-season. It might be like Joe was saying before, some of the psychological hangover from how the last couple of games panned out last season and just the general toils of, of competing on, on all fronts. But it could be something more than that, couldn't it? You know, all of those players are getting on a little bit and there will be a point where they start to dip over their peak and start coming down the other side of the curve. And then, as Gorsi said, it, it was the bench, wasn't it, against Palace? That's the one where you look at it and you think, wow, well, OK, if things need to change, where is that happening? How is that happening? So, yeah, I think it needs to be done. And, and I do think this might be ignoring some of the realities of, of football and how, how transfers work. But I think you can genuinely make a case to a player that, if you come in and everyone gets fit, then okay, there'll be a lot of options. There'll be a lot of competition. You might not get as much football as you'd like if you sign for Liverpool right now. But this season is just going to be mad, isn't it? It already is. There's going to be so many variables. God knows what's going to happen when the World Cup kicks in. You know, it seems to be so many players coming down with little muscular injuries already. You know, if you've got a tournament in Qatar in the middle of the season and you're coming back and having to you know rejoin your, your domestic squad, I think there's going to be a, a lot more there with, with players in and out of, of fitness. So I genuinely think you could make a case to someone who, if, if, there were, if there were doubts about whether they should come now or next summer, from that point of view, I think there's a case to be made. But it comes back to what Joe said before. Are the club going to, you know, really push for a target or, or, or maybe, you know, compromise a little bit and go for a second choice target to get someone through the door? But... I think it's clear that it, it does need to happen in some form, whether it's, as I say, a number eight or, or someone who can join that forward line. How much do you think, though? I mean, the players signing for Liverpool are elite professionals, aren't they? Who, once they're being kind of told that the club wants to bring them in, I, I, I sometimes wonder how much they're, they're thinking, oh, exactly where am I going to play? They, they, they back themselves, don't they? They arrive at Liverpool and they think, you know what? I'm coming in, I'm, I'm going to be playing. I mean, Joe, a lot of it's been spoken about kind of how if Liverpool were to make a move, it would be being opportunistic. I mean, Liverpool have Naby Keita in the final 12 months of his contract. Look at, for example, Yuri Tielemans at Leicester City. He's into the final 12 months of his contract. He scored a belter in the FA Cup final 
last year. It was only then, and he was he was a fulcrum of a Leicester team that nearly reached two Champions League finals. Would he not fall into a bracket of the kind of guy who actually, 25, 30 million pounds, he's Premier League ready, could slot in, no? Look, I, you know, I, for all my big moan before, I, I never like to get into names because I think... Personally, I think, you know, you say someone like Tiedemann as well, you know, I don't watch enough of him. You know, I saw him score a belter in the, the FA Cup final, but I don't watch enough for him to know whether he'd fit into Liverpool's midfield. I'm not paid to watch every league and, and watch every game, but the, but Liverpool have people who are, and they, you know, and maybe they have explored options and they, they, they really don't think they're available this summer. But, but then my argument is they should have planned for this last year or the year before that because they knew that they had a nucleus of players there who either are getting older or growing older together, or they are already injury prone, which is which is Cater and, and Oxley Chamberlain. And and um so I you know I I can't get into names because I you know I think that's just totally speculative. But but yeah, it's the planning that, that I'm frustrated with because whilst they may go and land Bellingham next summer, you know, I think that they're in such a dogfight with City for honors that every year that goes by that they don't win something, I kind of feel like it's almost a waste. You know, I, I think Liverpool are that good that I don't want to see them go through seasons and, and, and not win things or compete for big prizes. It's why I don't buy into, you know, Doyle's season's transition thing. I think it's a load of rubbish because I think a team that's as good as Liverpool shouldn't need to go through a season of transition. I think they can swap a player and and still operate like City do. And, and I know City spend more money and, and operate on a, a higher plane but you know Liverpool have shown that in the last few seasons they can match them almost stroke for stroke so they should be able to handle selling a Mane and bringing in a Nunes or adding a Bellingham to their midfield or or bringing in Canate for a massive in defence and, and, and be okay they shouldn't need you know I always thought seasons of transition are for a club when you, you sort of you know, Arsenal I mean sorry it's a term for oh we've yeah, underperformed, yeah. but we kind of knew it was coming. But... Yeah, exactly. You know, I think teams like Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea—they're all teams right now who can use that where in season of transition because they, you know, they've not bought well enough in recent years and they've not been managed well enough in recent years to, to challenge at the top. Liverpool have, and I don't think they they can hide behind seasons of transition. It's not as if they've sold half the squad. I mean, Man City let Aguero go two years ago. And you know he, he was their top scorer, the, the you know, and one one guy that they was they built the team around, and they let him go and found a different way of playing. And now they've brought in a whole new type of striker, um, and have let Sterling go. Well, well, couldn't City say that? Well, it's a season of transition for us because we've we've let Sterling, and um, and who else they let go? Jesus. Jesus, two massive players for them. And brought in Haaland, totally different type of player. So I, I don't buy into that. I think it's, I think that's that's Doyle trying to protect himself because he doesn't really like making predictions. And I, I, I don't, I don't think Liverpool are in a season transition, and I don't think they can hide behind that. I think they've changed one major player, but other than that, um, you know, I, I think they should, they should be better and better prepared for this season. Yeah. No. Let's throw ahead a bit then and, and talk of the injury crisis and just how bad it is, Paul, for Liverpool right now. So at the, at the top, I'll add my name to the injury list. Unfortunately, at the weekend, I was out in Manchester on my stag do four weeks before my wedding and uh, have, have fractured my ankle. So I, I'm added 
to the injury list, but I'm still podding here, Gorsty. You look at that that injury list that the Reds do have, and Joel Matip, Jurgen Klopp was asked about him after the game, and he said two weeks, oh no, it could be more. Actually, I don't want to put a time scale on it. Thiago's mm. obviously out, so too Diogo Jota. Certainly that top end of the pitch with Darwin Nunez not available for Old Trafford as well. There's a lot being put on Roberto Firmino being back. Otherwise, what is the option? Salah down the middle. Um, Elliot off the right. Diaz and Salah as a, as a kind of two. I don't know. It's, Fabio see, Carvalho false nine. Naby Keita false nine. See, this this is how, how kind of ridiculous it's got to already that these are the these are your options. I'm talking about Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho, and, and they're only teenagers. They shouldn't be expected to be, you know, this kind of burden already. They should be playing. When Liverpool, I've got the tails up, and, and they're getting a little bit of experience in there, and just building and, and getting themselves, you know, comfortable instead of being asked to to perform here and now and we've got to hurry up because City are four points clear. Um honestly I don't know. It's but the the people who are injured it's just no shock, is it? You know, Joel Matter had a strong season last year that he wasn't really injured anywhere near as often as, as recent years, but now he's pulled up again. Oxley Chamber hasn't kicked the ball since since that shot against Palace, which is over a month ago now in Singapore. Thiago pulls up 50 minutes into the new season with an issue. Naby Keita, you know, didn't play against Fulham because he was ill, but it wasn't COVID. Um, not sure how bad the illness was. You know, I think if all of us were, were struggling with a bit of illness, we'd probably still make it to, you know, six aside on a Thursday night, wouldn't we? Um, it's just... It, it's an issue within this Liverpool squad. They did, they did so well last year, kind of avoiding... Real serious injuries. They obviously wanted to did pick up niggles and knocks, but the makeup of this Liverpool team is not anywhere near as durable as you'd like it to be. Um, there are a host of players within the squad that you would term as injury prone, and that has um, already been shown up, and it's it's undermining Liverpool already. We'll have to, to wait and see how bad the damage is to the injury list and, and the rest for Liverpool. I've enjoyed the, the, the five-a-side references today. can almost smell the deep heat coming off the podcast as well. But from myself, Guy Clark, Paul Gorst, Joe Rimmer and Sean Bradbury, thanks for your time and your company today on this edition of the Blubber Podcast. Until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.